Al-Bayan Radio presents a brief explanation of the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inu wa nasta'aghfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina wa min sayyati amalina man yahdihi allah falamudillala wa man yudlil falan tajida lahu waliyan murshida wa ashadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahadu al-qahhar وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون Indeed all praise and thanks belongs to Allah Taala. We seek his help, his assistance and guidance in all things He whom Allah Taala guides there is no misguidance for him and He whom Allah Taala leads astray there is no guidance for him except through the will and permission of Allah Taala alone and I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Hashmi al-Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind O you who believe, fear Allah fear Allah as he deserves to be feared and do not die except in a state of Islam do not die except that you are Muslims Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqaw qawli Alhamdulillah this is lesson 50 uh, Hadith 31 part 2 31 part 2 and inshallah this is the conclusion of this hadith uh, after we finish the class not already not before we started it uh, for beginning with the Arabic we start with Imam al-Nawwi rahimahullah stating an Abil Abbas Sa'ad ibn Sahl al-Sa'adi radiyallahu anhu we took last week that in fact it should be radiyallahu anhuma قال جاء رجل إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال يا رسول الله دلني على عمل إذا عملته أحبني الله وأحبني الناس فقال ازهد في الدنيا يحبك يحبك الله وازهد فيما عند الناس يحبك الناس حديث حسن رواه ابن ماجه وغيره بأسانيد حسنة and the English of this, the English translation is on the authority of Abil Abbas, the father of Abbas, Sahal ibn Sa'ad al-Sa'adi, radiallahu anhuma, who said, a messenger came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and said, O Messenger of Allah, direct me to an act that if I were to do it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love me and the people will love me. He sallallahu alayhi wasallam answered, be indifferent to the world or be detached from the world or have zuhd in the world. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you And <clears throat> be indifferent to what the people possess And people will love you A hadith that Imam Nawi rahmahullah says Was Hassan sound Related by Ibn Majah And others with good chains of authority Now last week we covered يعني, An overview of this entire hadith We took the companion And we took the hadith and we took zuhd. So why are we still talking about this hadith? And we even took that this hadith wasn't sahih. We even took the, the grading of this hadith. But what is important to note is that the concept that is being talked about in this hadith is one of the most integral concepts in Islam. The concept of zuhd. And subhanallah, it covers a lot of things as we took last week. But it basically is the relationship that you have with this dunya and how you act afterwards. And we took that the, yani one of the best 
definitions of what zuhd is was the definition that was given by Shaykh al-Islam in Taymiyyah rahmatullah that zuhd is to abandon anything that which takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but today we want to continue that discussion by looking specifically at what the salaf took in this regard how did the salaf our pious predecessors look at not just the world but the concept of zuhd itself how did they used to live their lives and a few things in between and inshallah what we want to end up on is <clears throat> just before the end we want to go through one of the greatest examples of zuhd in our ummah Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah and some of the things he said about the reality of the world and the concept of zuhd in Islam now we start with as an overview of just basically zuhd just consider it here on in as detaching yourself from this world having a detachment from this world not caring about this dunya worrying about the akhirah and subhanallah different scholars had different approaches to the concept of zuhd but the essence is always the same and inshallah we'll go through a few things Abu Ali al-Khurasani the great noble scholar Fudayl ibn Iyad rahimahullah who died in 187 Hijri in the time of Harun al-Rashid rahimahullah and this was one of the greatest scholars of Islam and he was known to be of the Zuhad those who were ascetic those who didn't really care they didn't have an attachment to this dunya <clears throat> Ibrahim al-Ash'ath he said I have never seen a person who would glorify Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his heart like Fudayl Fudayl ibn Iyad if he mentioned Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was mentioned in his presence or if he heard the Quran if you mention Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if someone said something about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or if he heard the Quran, three very broad things, you would see the fear on his face. You'd see the effect straight away on his face. And what else? Tears would flow from his eyes. And he would cry in Sawlabi, and he wouldn't you wouldn't be able to stop him until the people around him had mercy on him, they would try to console him. Rahimahullah. Just by the mere reference of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Either through him or those around him Or if he heard the Quran The effect straight away Melting away the shrouds around the heart And subhanallah What was this, yani this great scholar What was his concept of zuhd? How did he define it? And if this is the effect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has on this man By the me Just stating of his name Shakes him You see the fear He starts to cry And then he won't be able to stop crying Unless the people around him Calm him What was his concept of zuhd? How did he view this world? He says Rahimahullah Aslu zuhdi 
That the essence of zuhd, of detaching yourself from this world, is being satisfied with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Being satisfied with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done for you or what you think has taken away from you. Being satisfied with Allah in everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees. This is Aslu Zuhd. To be content with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he continues and he says in another place, he says, Al-Qunu' huwa Zuhd. Contentment is Zuhd. Asceticism. Being detached from this world. When you're completely satisfied with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordained for you, then you understand that you have no real hand in what happens in this world. You try, you take your asbab. However, the ultimate decision is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what He decrees for you, you are content. You are radi. You don't, as we took in the last class, when someone is trialed, you say, why? Why me? Why has Allah done this to me? Or if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you something, you start to gloat and boast, and you begin to see yourself with an ego, and you start to see yourself in a way that you are not. For this contentment that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in both occasions. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you, and when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes away, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection. He also said, and this is found in Sirah Alam al where he, and he says a beautiful quote, he says, Your hearts are prevented from tasting the sweetness of Iman. Why don't you feel the sweetness of Iman? How many people complain about this today? We pray, we fast, we do Ramadan, we do Hajj, we do Umrah, we do everything. We read Quran, we do our dhikr, but nothing, you don't feel it. The masjid is a place of anxiety for me. Not me. Or that, for instance, when I give money in sadaqah, you guys always said that money would come back. Now it doesn't come back, it keeps going away. <laughs> for all of these things, you hear it. Anjad, you actually hear it. <clears throat> but. If you look at the real reality of this, we see in the statements of our Salaf, like Fudayl, Rahimahullah, and others, that he says, Your hearts are prevented from tasting the sweetness of Iman until you abstain from the dunya. Until your heart has an attachment to this dunya, it is full, it's complete. There's no space for anything else. Your heart has nothing, no room for anything to enter. And until your heart is attached to this world, you can't have an attachment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the akhirah properly. Properly. Where you feel the halawa, the sweetness of iman, the sweetness of your worship. And subhanallah, even worse than this, now we don't talk about the sweetness of iman. The reality of today is that the detachment that we have from our akhirah, the opposite. We have abstained from the akhirah. And we are indulging in the dunya. And what has that in turn? What's the يعني, effect of that? Is that we have no effect now, currently. When we sin, we don't feel it. Now when we sin, 
instead of now thinking about the sweetness of Iman, now when we look at the attachment we have in the dunya, what is the effect of that on our hearts is that it has completely allowed our hearts to be filled with sin, riddled, and not just that, have no effect on us that we have sinned. You sin, you worship, same feeling. No. Completely dead. You look at something, you enjoy it. And there was supposed to be khalas, okay, a momentary enjoyment, but then you're supposed to snap out of it. And you're supposed to come and make tawbah. And you're supposed to say, Ya Allah, forgive me. And you're supposed to have a resolve to not do it again. And you're supposed to, as soon as you remember, get rid of everything that you have that leads you to it. But now it's, let's look at that one, and then that one, and then that one, and then keep scrolling. That's what it is today. And then, if you have something, then the shaitan comes and whispers in your ear, خلاص, you're too far gone, just keep going. Tricks of the shaitan on us, on a daily. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rab. <coughs> Imam Ahmad, Imam Ahlul Sunnah, from the greatest pillars of this religion, from after the companions, Subhanallah, he himself was one of the greatest zuhad of this ummah. The zuhad of Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, was something that was profound. Yani, he wouldn't take money from yani, the khilafah. And if money came to him, he would make sure that he would get rid of it constantly, give it in charity. And his Yani main ham in this world was the akhirah to the extent where the th- yani basis of his creed and the fitna of that time as we took in an earlier class I believe was the creation of the Quran whether the Quran was created or uncreated and we know the position of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah is that the Quran is uncreated it is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now Imam Ahmad was trialed because of this and he was not just trialed, he was imprisoned because of this. And not just imprisoned, if that wasn't enough, he was lashed because of this. He was whipped publicly. Rahimahullah. And when in this moment of being in absolute pain, and they said, just say what we want to hear, just say it with your tongue. Let your heart feel whatever it feels. Just say it. No dramas, just say it. Say one word and we we'll stop this. And he says, I fear that that statement is going to take me into the hellfire. And he says, I fear for you telling me to say it is worse. He was actually saying, You just trying to tell me to not be upon my way. That's even worse. For these things, subhanAllah, when you see the examples of those who came before and how they lived their lives. You see how they saw the reality of this dunya and how they saw the akhirah. That they would not trade anything of this dunya for the akhirah. They would not, never trade the akhirah for the dunya. Never. It wasn't, يعني, in, it wasn't possible, even at the brink of death. Lashed publicly. But this was يعني, from the greatest examples of our salaf. <coughs> يعني, even at when Imam Ahmad 
before being whipped, he actually said to one of the يعني, people in jail that he was with, Abu Haytham, rahimahullah. And subhanallah, he says, Imam Ahmad to Abu Haytham, he says, I fear not anything, but I just fear that when I am whipped, I'm going to lose my senses. I'm just going to, I fear that when I'm actually going be, to be whipped, I fear for myself. And Abu Haytham, he says, that I am Abu Haytham. I steal and I drink. And I cut the turuq even. I, I'm a highway robber. He says, it has been written in the diwan, in the public record, that I have been whipped. Thousands of whips. And I suffered that and was patient upon that for the sake of the shaitan. And now you, O Ahmad, have to be patient for the sake of Ar-Rahman. And this is, يعني, Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, his son, he mentions that he continuously used to praise Abu Haytham, a person who was a drunkard, a tarrar and someone who was also a stealer, a thief, a criminal. Thousands of whips publicly known for his crimes. However, he is giving Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah, words of advice. Be patient. For the sake of Ar-Rahman. I was patient. Thousands of whips. I've been whipped thousands of times. And I did it for shaitan. You're on the right. You're on the haq. Even subhanallah, the criminals of the past had this fiqh. That in the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you give everything up. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for understanding. Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, he said, Az-Zuhd fi dunya qisar al-amal wal-ya'su mimma fi aydin nas. He says that... <coughs> Zuhd in this world, worldly detachment Is to have low expectations Low expectations And to pay no attention To that which is in the hands of other people Now Ibn Rajab rahimahullah explains this And he says when someone has low expectations It shows And it necessitates Loving to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And leaving this dunya when you have low expectation, and you don't expect from this dunya your ultimate success. You don't expect from this dunya that you want happiness here. You don't expect highly that you're going to be completely happy here. You're going to completely set your roots here. You're going to make sure that this dunya is going to be perfect. These high expectations. Ibn Rajab rahimahullah says, the one with high expectations necessitates to he wants to remain in this, in this dunya he doesn't want to go to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he doesn't want to go to meet allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and enter the, the afterlife abu sulaiman ad-darani rahimahullah states that zuhd is leaving off all that occupies you away from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ibn rajab rahimahullah makes a very important clarification in his sharh of this hadith and he says, when you see in the Qur'an and the Sunnah that there is a criticism of 
<clears throat> the dunya itself Don't think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And his messenger is criticizing The night and the day Or is criticizing the earth Or is criticizing the soil Or is criticizing what you see around you From the creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala From the trees and the oceans Don't think that that's what's being criticized It is the actions of Bani Adam Their af'al the actions of the son of Adam, humans, what they do and the mischief that they have spread upon earth, that is what is being criticized. But this is something that is quite important. In the famous hadith of Sahih Muslim, <coughs> we say that يعني, uh, the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr radiallahu an, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has stated, قال النبي sallallahu alayhi wa sallam الدunya المؤمن the Prophet ﷺ has stated that this dunya, this world, is the prison of the believer and that it is the paradise of the disbeliever. And subhanAllah, if you look very closely, yes, when you think about what we can do and what we can't do, you kind of understand where that's coming from. We want the akhirah. Our attachment is to the akhirah, not to this dunya. But very specifically even, the Prophet ﷺ has even told us, as found in Sahih Bukhari, <coughs> from the hadith of Hudayfa, where the Prophet ﷺ said, do not drink in vessels of gold and silver, and do not wear silk. Very, very important things that are kind of forgotten. That the men of this ummah don't wear silk, the women can. And the men and women <coughs> do not drink from vessels of gold and silver. And the Prophet ﷺ, he mentioned something very, very beautiful in this hadith. He says, That it is for them in this world, but for you it is for the hereafter. And in the hereafter, you have the gold, you have the silver, you have the silk. And what do they get? They drink from the heads of the devils. And they wear clothing made out of fire. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection, Ya Rabb. Jundub radiallahu an, he states a hadith. He states a statement, afwan. He says, حب الدنيا رأس كل خطيئة. Jundub radiallahu an, he says that the love of this world is the reason for every sin. That's the essence of every sin when you really love the dunya. And every time, you, any pleasure that you get, it is a pleasure for this dunya. It's not a pleasure for the hereafter. And it's a momentary pleasure here in this world. You're not getting anything in the hereafter for your pleasures that you get over here if it's for the sake of shaitan. For over here, every time you do something, it is because... You have a love of this worldly life. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his protection. Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah, he says, Zuhd is of two types. Zuhd with the people and Zuhd with yourself. The Zuhd that you have from the people, and the scholars have explained this, is that you don't want anything from anyone. You don't look at what they have. You don't care. You don't want anything from what they have. You don't want anything from what anyone else has. You don't look at what they have. You don't try to get any worldly benefit from them. You don't try to envy them and try to hope that they 
are reduced and you are increased. This envy, this hasad, none of it. And the second time of second type of worldly detachment, zuhd, is that which is with yourself. That you don't try to elevate yourself. You don't want elevation. You don't want power to be in a place of position. <clears throat> a place of influence. A place where you have a high rank, where people respect you. Just because you're not doing anything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or anything like that. No, you just want you, yourself to be big. Don't grow that ego. These are the two types of zuhd. And the two elements of zuhd. One with the people and one with yourself. Don't think of yourself with an eye of ego. Don't look at yourself like that. Don't look at yourself in a way where you think you are better than others. And we took last week that yani, the pinnacle of zuhd is when someone sees another person and says, that person is better than me. Why? Continuously making himself humble. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this, Ya Rabb. Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah <coughs> He says When a servant renounces this world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will cause a wisdom to grow in his heart And to come forth in his tongue He will grant him insight Into the faults of this world Its diseases and its cures Sufyan al-Thawri rahimahullah Again one of the greatest scholars of this ummah States then only when you have detachment from this world, when you have zuhd from this world, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you not only knowledge, he'll give you understanding. And the one who understands the reality of this world, knows its diseases and the cures, knows the entire religion. But it only comes when you abandon this world. And the abandonment of this world is taking away anything that takes you away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yahya bin Mu'adh said by seeking the hereafter you will get this world and there's another يعني, quote of I believe Fudayl also who says that <clears throat> we have never seen anyone get this dunya we have never seen anyone get this dunya through chasing we have never seen anyone get the akhirah through chasing the dunya we have never seen anyone get the akhirah through chasing the dunya. However, we have seen people get the dunya through chasing the akhirah. When you make your ham Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you in ways that you can't expect. Whoever has taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for them. And this is something that is very important. That when your ham, your aim, your goal, is the akhirah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you this dunya. But the dunya isn't in your heart. Whether it's taken from you, given to you, it's not something that makes a difference in your position with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your worship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, <clears throat> I know you're getting a bit tired, restless. Um, it's probably because of my scratchy throat, I apologize. Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, is a scholar that... Everyone sees as being the pinnacle of zuhd yani After the Prophet ﷺ, after the companions And they even make a method that his zuhd is like the zuhd of Hassan al-Basri yani Seen as something special And what did he say about this dunya And about yani how a Muslim should be with this dunya And how a true servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be And I recommend everyone yani, here to read this book, The Beacon of Basra, 
the etiquette, wisdom, and asceticism of Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, written by Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi, rahimahullah. Very, very important book. Uh, and it's basically just a biography of Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah. And yani, it has over here that Hassan al-Basri, rahimahullah, would say, by Allah, anyone granted abundantly in one, in one of his worldly affairs and doesn't fear that this is to lure, to seduce him, it takes away from his deeds. Allah. It takes away from his deeds, righteousness and intellect. On the other hand, anyone for whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restricted, restricted worldly provisions, who does not believe that this is good for him, it takes away from his deeds and shows poor judgment. Anyone who has the dunya, anyone who is given the dunya, Hassan al-Basri is saying that <clears throat> if you don't fear the temptation in the dunya, when you have it, if you don't fear it, then this will take away from your religion. This will take away from your intellect. This will take away from your righteousness. If you don't fear what you have from the dunya, because it means that you think that you are stronger than the temptations of the shaitan. And the opposite, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala restricts provision from you, and you don't think, and you're not grateful, and you don't think that this is good for you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the best of writers. When He has written for you, no one could have written it better than you. You don't know what could have happened. But if you don't think that this in itself is good for you, then this shows His poor judgment. And will be taken away from his deeds because it's su' al-adab and su' al-dhan with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Not having good suspicion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah, he says <coughs> in another quote, I observe people who gave less regard for the worldly life than the dust upon you, which you walk. Yani the companions and the great of the tabi'een rahimahullah would see the dunya as being so insignificant like the dust upon which they walked. When anyone was walking up here on the gravel, did anyone think, oh, I'm stepping on a stone, haram. I'm stepping on a rock, oh, miskin, the rock. Did anyone think about it? No, it's so insignificant. It's so insignificant, you don't even think about it. That I'm stepping upon, okay, now I'm stepping on gravel, now it's soil, now it's grass. You don't even think about it. It's so insignificant. It doesn't even register. That's what the dunya was. To our early salaf. Something that was completely worthless. Nas'alallah salam al-afiyah. And I think we'll, يعني, two more. Two more. Relax. Uh, he used to say, too many people looking too tired at me. Astaghfirullah. By Allah, the worldly life does not deserve or merit someone to waste his honor and religiousness for its sake. This worldly life is not worth you losing your deen or your izzah. <clears throat> and what this shows is that anything that is haram is taking away from your honor and taking away from your deen. It takes away from your religion and it takes away from your honor. Anything that is haram, anything that goes and crosses over the limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has set forth. And the last is that he used to say, Rahimahullah, for the believer, the world in life is never free from disturbances. Don't think that even if you have no attachment to this world, 
Don't think your life will be easy. Don't think that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not trial you. Don't think that you are going to be on this يعني, little cruise and no one's going to affect you, no bump on the road, no waves hitting you. No, that's not this, what this world is like. And as a refutation also of those <coughs> I apologize of those who have a misconception of what zuhd is that they think that it means that you dress in tattered clothing or you're in يعني, not feeding yourself properly you're only eating like bark or something then over here if you look at how Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah writes about this great man he says al-Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah used to be in a state of sadness huzn over contemplation over the reality of the dunya his sins and the reality of those around يعني, it's something that brings sadness to the heart and remember the hadith that we took you would cry frequently and laugh little the hadith that we took for he would be in a state of sadness constantly and would weep a lot which is after one realizes the punishments of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can trial a person with so many things and then he continues and says he used to worry about the rights due upon him the rights that people had on him from the people around him and the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on him and he was never unclean he was never unclean because there's this misconception that if you roll around in mud, خلاص, يعني, you're a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in the subcontinent, you see this. Not just subcontinent, in parts of Indonesia and other countries, you have someone who is not wearing clothes. And they think that this is a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look, he's not wearing clothes. And this means يعني, you're, you're set with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're not wearing clothes. Hectic. And they actually have a word for it, Nanga Baba, naked peer, naked, يعني, a man who's saintly. It's something that, of reverence. And when they die, they build on top of him stories. And they go to their graves and they start worshipping the grave, seeking from that grave. What did he do, Ahist? He had no attachment to this world. He didn't even wear clothes. A real, يعني, it's a real thing. Whereas, the Salaf of this Ummah, he would never be unclean, even though he would live in rural areas. He didn't like to be in the cities. <clears throat> he would always dress neatly, always dress neatly. Not that you wear يعني, horrible clothing, you look like you just came out of harp, and you just look like you came out of يعني, big missions. No, he would always be neat and tidy, wearing good clothes, nice clothing. And he used to. Partake in the festivities of people In the nikah The walima He would go to the celebrations Why is this important? He would mix with the people Being saint-like and being a wali Doesn't mean you live in the mountains And you don't see anyone And you're by yourself Cut off from the rest of the world Ah, you guys, I don't need to be with you No, mixing with the people Being with the people That is important The Prophet ﷺ was the greatest Zahid of this Ummah and he would frequent with his Sahaba he would let a little girl hold his hand Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he would eat with the poor he would literally, literally eat with the poor 
drink with the poor, sit with the poor. He would sit with the rich. He would sit from emissaries who were sent by other kingdoms. <clears throat> he would sit from delegations. He would sit with all types of people, would never refrain from anyone. He would sit with them. And he would always maintain his status. Salawatullah wa salamu alayk. Two more things and then we'll يعني, give it up. <coughs> Urwa bin Zubair stated that Aisha radiallahu anha would give 70,000 coins in gold in one sitting. In one sitting. 70,000 dinar in charity and her clothes had patches and it doesn't mean it was bad clothing when it had patches it means that there was something that was torn so they get a piece of old clothing or another piece of cloth they fix it and they wear it it's not new 70,000 and before spending on herself she would give it completely in charity Aisha and Asma in Adab al-Mufrad Abdullah ibn Zubair radiallahu an he says that Aisha and Asma were the most generous no one was as generous as them but he says that there was two differences Aisha radiallahu anha she would save up money save, save, save until it would get to a point where she can give خلاص. whereas Asma she wouldn't let anything be in her house till the next day. No, it came, gone. It wouldn't, that's the difference. There's two types. Yani one, you give it straight away. I don't care if it's five bucks. I'm giving it right now. And the other is, no, I need it to be something that I can give out. I can't just give five bucks. But think about the difference. Not that she would save and use a bit on herself. No, no, no. All of it would go. But that was the difference they had. Subhanallah. Now this is of the scholars... Companions of the past And we have stories يعني, Of how Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah Made the Qal'a A little prison He made it into a beacon of light for people Subhanallah They said that the people around him in the prisons Became scholars Ibn al-Qayyim Said that when the world would Feel small to us When we'd feel restricted We'd go see him in the Qal'a we go to the prison so that it could open our hearts. He's transformed a prison into a place where people come for spiritual guidance and remedy. Rahimahullah. And how he thought of this dunya was that when he was imprisoned, he said that even if I could give this entire yani, amount in gold so that I could be freed, I wouldn't do it. Yani, the, the amount of the actual prison itself why? It's because now I'm free. So I can sit with my Qur'an. This is how the Salaf, our great scholars, used to see this world. That any time that they were taken away from يعني, anything, it'd be a time where they would sit and use it for good. If that's too far away, Shaykh ibn Uthaymin, there are so many stories of him. But there was one time that someone came while he was sitting down in the masjid, and someone brought keys and just dropped it in his lap. Sheikh, it's a gift from me to you. A new car. Bismillah. Sheikh was sitting in the majlis. You can't refuse a, a gift. As the Prophet said. 
who has a new car, hasn't seen the car, hectic. <coughs> Someone comes, sits down, and says, Sheikh, I got married. Sheikh is Mubarak. Congratulations. Yeah. Nikah. Some people, they didn't want this dunya. Yani Sheikh bin Baz, he would have people sending from the entire world. You know, I have this thing, I have an operation, I have this problem, I have <coughs> yani this qariya, we're trying to fix a masjid, we're trying to fix something. And he would be given a budget. Spend it as you wish. Bismillah. Whatever you want, wherever you want to send it, no problems. Go. Done. And every single month he would go over it. Every single month he would go over it. And then when he would say, send this person, yani the next case, this amount. They'd be like, you tapped out. Yani you don't have any more money now. And he's like, okay, send from my personal allowance. My personal wage. It's like, Sheikh, you even use that too. You don't have anything. <laughs> you don't have anything. But you don't understand, yani, <clears throat> for some of these ulama, and I know we hear always petrodollar scholars and these scholars for hire and yani these mashayikh, if you listen to their stories, subhanAllah, yani, Sheikh Uthaymin, one of the kings came to him, the actual king of the country. And there's two stories. One story is, and apparently, as I heard, yani the son of the Sheikh said that it wasn't true. And basically this, the king came to Sheikh Uthaymin and said that we want to build you a house. And he said, I'm building a house in this hay, a certain suburb. And the students are tripping out. But anyways, king says, okay. And then Sheikh Uthaymin says, I don't need that, but what we need is this masjid needs one, two, and three. It needs a little bit of help. And the king's like, no problems. And then when the king left, <coughs> they asked the sheikh, what house are you building in that suburb? He says, isn't the maqbara over there? Isn't the graveyard over there? Aren't we building houses over there? Aren't we trying to build a dwelling for our akhirah? But apparently... Recently has come out that that story isn't 100%. And what the real story was is that the king came and said, Let us build you a house, bin Jadid. We want to build you a house. And the sheikh says, Why don't me and you we build something together? The king, he's saying this to a king. It's sharik and something. Me and you, we build something together. What was it? The sheikh said, The masjid needs to be renovated, it needs to be properly made. And so the king did it. Story goes, as told by the son of the Sheikh, Allahu Alam, that he did it from his own personal finances. And this is the masjid called Masjid ibn Uthaymin in Unayza, currently, in Qasim region. And these are stories that, يعني, there are so many like it, that they were offered the world. Offered the world. يعني, the famous story of when the Zionists went to the Khalifa of Turkey, يعني, Ottoman Empire. For a piece of Palestine He said it's not mine to give Even if you gave me all the money in the world I can't give it It's not mine to give For we have so many examples In Islamic history Of when people understood the reality of And when this happened From that We had people who came out That made sure that this ummah was upright And that it was not led astray From these types of people have generations come where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the laws set forth by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam were maintained and kept. 
We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be of these people. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow us to give us <coughs> to allow us to have proper understanding of this religion. This program was presented by Al Bayan Radio, the voice of Al Sunnah Wal Jama'ah.